Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you all, man, for uh, allowing me the opportunity to do this, man, and uh, I hope I do it well for the glory of God. Uh, thank you all for worshiping and setting the tone. Worship, uh, it does something in the room. When we put, we put God in his proper place, man, and uh, we open our hearts to him. So y'all loosen up. Because <laughs> I feel y'all being real tense right now. Everybody do like this. <sighs> Thank you. If you're at home online, <sighs> right? Loosen up, man. We, we amongst family. We amongst friends. Joe laid a heavy thing on us talking about Jesus being killed and crucified. Dang, Pastor Joe. Show. <laughs> Nah, thank you guys, man. Uh, Palm Sunday, man, an amazing event in history. These are not fairy tales. This is historical things that have happened and have been documented. Jesus Christ really lived. He really lived. He was a human, but he was God. And some people adored him. Some people despised him. Some people were confused by him, just like us. Sometimes we look at some of the people in the Bible, and we wonder, how could you not receive Christ? Man, the, the Pharisees, we give the Pharisees a hard time, but put yourself in their shoes. What if your whole world and everything you knew got turned upside down because a person came into your life and said, you know what, you're wrong. Your whole life, everything you've grown to know and learn and love and cherish about your history and your culture and your faith. And somebody step on the scene and say, you know what? You're wrong. It's a big thing, right? So we're going to dig into some scriptures this morning, man. We're going to dive into some scriptures this morning, swan dive into some scriptures this morning. I'm going to be reading from Matthew 21. I'm going to be going through some different scriptures because I want the scriptures to speak to you guys, and then I want to share kind of what God has laid on my heart to take out of it. Which Jesus do we want? Ask yourself the question. Which Jesus do we want? Right? Reading out of Hos uh, I was going to say Hosanna. <laughs> Hey, Tanya, that song stuck, man. <laughs> reading out of Matthew uh, chapter 21, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11, um, starting there, and then we're going to kind of go, go to some different scriptures here. Verse 21, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying unto them, go into the village in front of you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. Now, I got to stop right there because that always threw me for a loop. <laughs> Jesus comes near to Jerusalem. He ain't there yet, but he sends the disciples ahead to say, I need you to go steal some people's donkeys. <laughs> like, I thought you said, don't steal, you know. <laughs> Like, thou shalt not steal. But he wasn't stealing. The donkeys were for him. But they just always stupid. Like, man, where you going to go? You finna go to my barnyard and then send some people to my barnyard taking my donkeys from me, bro? Really? <laughs> but the donkeys were for him, right? If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. So the guy sent them. He didn't go steal them, right? 
the man whose donkeys belonged to, he sent them with the, with the disciples. It says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Somebody say, your king. Now change that and say, my king. Humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and, and, put, them on, and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks. This is what uh, Pastor Joe was talking about, I believe. Spread their cloaks on the ground. Others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. That's where Palm Sunday comes from. They laid their cloaks on the road. They cut down branches and laid them before Christ on the donkeys on the road. And the crowds that went before him and followed him were shouting. Jesus had an entourage. It said the crowds that went before him and that followed him. So there were crowds that were marching before him. There were crowds behind him. He had an entourage. I believe Jesus was something like a big deal. Do you agree? I mean, who else turns water into wine and keep the party going? Anybody ever showed up to your celebration and gathering and said, man, bring me a couple jugs of water. Let me make some new wine for y'all. Jesus made fish sandwiches for everybody in the region. Y'all remember that story? He did it from a lunchbox. <laughs> Somebody brought him a lunchbox, and he made fish sandwiches for everybody in the region. Who does that? Something like a big deal. Man, he had an entourage. People following him, and they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That means save us. When you translate that, in the original language, it means save us, son of David. It also means a, a term of adoration or praise as well. Save us, son of David. Save us. Praise your name, Lord. Blessed is the one who comes in the name. Praise you in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. I like to say turned up. Somebody say the whole city was turned up. <laughs> Saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. God, please help us receive you. Receive you. Help us to open our hearts to receive you in your fullness, however and whenever you decide to show up in our lives. Lord, help us open our hearts to receiving that. You see, Israel, the children of Israel, you got to look at the context of this scripture, right? This is a people group that may not be like you, right? This is a people group who have a tremendous, rich history of their belief in God Almighty, the true and living God. Their belief had been passed down for ages. Did you know that Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophetic promises in his lifetime? He fulfilled over 300 prophecies of who he would be. This is who the children of Israel were waiting for. This is who the children of Israel and their fathers and their forefathers and their forefathers and their ancestors, they had been waiting and preaching and talking about and wanting to see this forever. And then Jesus shows up 
And everything that had been passed down to the children of Israel, this man was fitting right into the description. That's why they were so turned up. That's why they were so lit. That's why they were taking their their cloaks off and and laying them on the ground and shouting and following and probably dancing and carrying on. And say, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one my mama told me about. My grandmama, my grandfather told me about this. And all of his actions and words fit the historical prophetic description of who their savior was going to be. Can y'all feel that? Can you put yourself in their shoes? That's what I want you to do this morning. But I want you to think about this too. As they said that verse 5 says, verse 4 says, uh, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. So here's another prophecy. In verse 5 it says, say to your daughter Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fold of a beast of burden. Jesus already fit the description, but then he, he throws another truth bomb at him as he's coming. And I want you to, read, I want you to listen to Zechariah 9 because this is what he's referencing. And I want you to feel what they felt. I want you to get yourself pumped up. Zechariah 9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph. Somebody say shout. O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's coat. Verse 10, God says, I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all weapons used in battle, and your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates rivers to the ends of the earth because of the covenant I made with you, sealed with blood. I will free your prisoners from death in a waterless dungeon. Come back to a place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. Judah is my bow, and Israel is my arrow. Jerusalem is my sword. Imagine God talking to you like that. And like a warrior, I will brandish it against the Greeks. The Lord will appear above his people. His arrows fly like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the ram's horn and an attack like a whirlwind from the southern desert. The Lord of heaven's armies will protect his people and they will defeat their enemies by hurling great stones. They will shout in battle as as though drunk with wine. They will be filled with blood like a bowl, drenched with blood like the corners of an altar. On that day, the Lord their God will rescue his people. Just as a shepherd rescues his sheep, they will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How wonderful and beautiful they will be. The young men will thrive on abundant grain, and the young women will flourish on new wine. How does that make you feel right now? Now, how much more would that make you feel If you was in the presence of Jesus Christ in the flesh, seeing it manifest before your very eyes, 
the very thing that your whole culture, your whole lineage had been waiting for. And you're reminded of what was passed down to you when people were preaching from the Torah and the Pentateuch of who the Messiah is going to be. And then you see it outside, walking past you. I'll take my jacket off too. I'm going to shout too. What you don't understand and what I want to show to you is that the Hebrew people have been oppressed, enslaved, in bondage, and scattered for centuries. Centuries. A history of oppression, bondage, enslavement, captivity. They've known it all their life. Can you imagine what they're thinking when they see the Messiah, the Savior coming? This is Exodus 2.0, baby. We out of here. Let's go. Jesus came in when they was in Egypt and enslaved to Pharaoh, and he came in. Y'all remember that? When they begin to escape and then the, 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 the sea parted, everybody saw the, the, you know, the movie of the Ten Commandments. And they walking through. Moses split the sea and they walked through and then the waves going, and then they make it. Don't you know that they was thinking that? You did it before. You're going to do it again. It's prophetic. It's been spoken. Yes, Exodus 2.0. Let's get it in. Bring the swords. Bring the drama. Bring the noise, Jesus. Let's go. Right? Before Christ, they were oppressed by Egypt. They were enslaved by Egypt. They were oppressed by the Assyrians, attacked, enslaved by the Assyrians. They went captivity to the Babylonians, right? And in the current setting right now, for those who are Bible and theologians, where are they at? In Jerusalem, right? Who's controlling Jerusalem right now? Joe said the Italians. <laughs> I don't know if I see that in the scriptures, you know. Now, European, Euro, Europeans, Romans, Europeans were in, Jer in Jerusalem controlling and governing the city. Jerusalem wasn't controlled and governed by Israel, Israelites, Hebrews. It was being controlled, dictated, and governed by Romans, Europeans. So they're in oppression right now. As we read the scriptures, they're being controlled as we speak, can you imagine how bad they want the ties to turn? They've been bullied for years, and then Big Brother shows up. What do you expect Big Brother to do when you're getting bullied around for years and years? What do you expect your Big Brother to do when he shows up? Hmm? Talk to me. I <laughs> should said regulate. <laughs> Regulators. <laughs> Straight up, mount up. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you expect, right? Which Jesus do we want? Which Jesus do we want? What do y'all think Jesus does when he first entered the city? What do you think? Silence. I love it. Let's see what he does. Matthew 21, verses 12 through 13. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over tables of money changers and chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Hosanna in the highest. 
Oh, thank you. Messiah is coming to save the day. He's coming to uh, redeem us from our oppressions. He's coming to uh, restore the kingdom of Israel and reign on the throne and we'll reign with him and we will no longer be oppressed. We'll no longer be held captive. We'll no longer be slaves to other people and foreigners and Gentiles. Right. And Jesus goes to the local church and says, nope, get all this out of the way. What are you doing? How do you think it makes them feel? Their Messiah, their coming Savior, Palm Sunday. Which Jesus do we want? What if Jesus came to crossroads and tore up everything he didn't like? What if our Savior, our King, our Lord, the one that we lift hands and sing Hosanna and say, we worship you and here's my heart and how great is our God. What if he showed up to your home and he destroyed everything he didn't like? Which Jesus do we want? Which Savior do we want? Ask yourself that question. How would that make you feel? Does Jesus have that authority? Do we give him that authority? This is our savior. This is our king. Do we want that kind of king? Or do we want some other kind of king? Did the Jews, did the Hebrews, did the children of Israel, did they want that kind of king? When they were marching in front of him as an entourage and dancing and singing and worshiping and, and, and praising. And then he shows up and then he, he does something that they didn't expect him to do. God did not show up and respond in a way that they, respect, they expected. Their past deliverance from Egypt. Their past experiences of salvation. Their hopes might have been that God comes and deals with their afflictions the way he used to do. Being militant and destroying the opposite team and flexing his muscles on his adversaries. But this time, God's attention seems to be focused on something much more different. Much more different. And this confused, this perplexed, and this brought anxiety on a lot of people in the region. The same way it does us. Would you agree? Have you ever experienced God showing up and doing something in your life you didn't expect him to do? The key word in there is that expected him to do. I remember many, many times, me and Dominique, we've been married <laughs> for uh, going, going on 13 years now. Uh, and, man, we, we had some battles. We had some tough times in our early, early part of our marriage. Um, so much so to where it almost, it almost took us out the game. We almost would not be had it not been for God stepping in. But here's what I was doing. You're wrong. Why you treat me like this? Why you acting like that? Why you ungrateful? Why you not loving me? Why you not showing me affection? Why you not doing this? Why you not doing that? Why you not doing that? I'm talking to God, why, sir, why? I'm doing everything, I'm, I'm trying to do this, do this, do this. And I had an expectation that God was going to deal with her. <laughs> I 
I mean, come on, keep it real, y'all out there, right? Come on, man. I had an expectation that my God, my Lord, that cares about me, he loved me, he want my marriage to work, all that. I had an expectation. God, you going to deal with her, right? And then God came in into the house of my heart and flipped all my tables and chairs over. And he said, bro, you the problem. It's you. He broke me down. That wasn't what I expected from my loving Jesus, the tender Jesus, the one that doesn't offend, the one that doesn't hurt, the one that doesn't do. I expected him to deal with my adversary, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just keeping it 100, you know? And God came in the house of my heart and flipped all my tables over. Lord, please help us be open to receiving you in your fullness, however and whenever you decide to show up in our lives. Jesus began teaching every day during the Passover celebration. Uh, I'm going to look at my, my scriptures. He, he teaches from uh, Matthew 21 all the way through. Looks like um, chapter 25. So from chapter 21 to chapter 25, we don't have a timeline. Obviously, there's days involved in this until this crucifixion. But for days within the Passover celebration, and do y'all know what the Passover represents, what it means, right? It's a commemoration of when the children of Israel got uh, their exodus out of bondage and slavery, and God implemented the Passover, right? The Passover was put the blood of the lamb over your doorpost, a deaf angel will pass by you, and then you'll be saved. You're going to enjoy a meal that represents, future it will represent the body of Christ. No bone will be broken. You don't break the bones. You eat the meat. You don't leave anything. You pack up a short day's journey, I think maybe a day or two worth of clothes, and then they exited out of slavery and bondage. And the Passover commemorated their salvation. And the celebration was implemented to never forget what God had done. And so they were celebrating, and this was like a seven, eight-day celebration. But during the celebration, Jesus is teaching. He's not partying like everybody else. And he's teaching on children's worship, his heavenly authority, giving to God, tithing to God, and paying taxes, God's greatest commandment, entering the kingdom of God. And then he even rebukes, and this is where I want to lock in with, he rebukes the religious leaders for the religious bondage they put people in and many other prominent things. Again, this, 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 this fascinated, this perplexed the believers, the, the city, all the people there, because there's Romans, there's European soldiers there, there's people that are visiting from different cities and countries and, and everywhere, and they're seeing this Jesus that's so famous, and so he's such a celebrity, and everybody's trying to figure him out, and he's coming in, they're thinking he's a savior, he's going to deliver them, but then he comes in, and the first place he goes to is the local temple, the church, and he's tearing the church up, and he's making a whip, and whipping animals, and getting people out the way, and he's doing things that are not normal, and he's, he's breaking the traditions, and all of this kind of stuff and then he comes in and he starts te teaching not about worldly systems but he starts addressing church he starts addressing the broken religious and spiritual systems and the religious leaders that are out of order see we expect God most times to come into our lives 
and fix the bills that can't be paid. We expect God to come into our lives and directly fix our marriages. We expect God to come into our lives and give us the job we've been praying for, to give us this, to give us that, to take care of the worldly things, to address the worldly things, the worldly circumstances, the worldly systems, to come. And God says, I'm not necessarily concerned about the world. I'm concerned about your spiritual condition. I'm concerned about your spiritual system of operating. I'm concerned about the condition of your heart and the way you're doing things and how you're leading and how you're being led spiritually because the world is going to pass away. But your spirit and your heart and your soul is going to live forever. And I am concerned about that because that is what makes the world tick. Jesus didn't come in and address the Europeans, the Romans. He went right to the place where the spiritual activity was supposed to be happening. He said, this is out of order. It needs to be fixed. Which Jesus do we want? The fish sandwich Jesus? We want the water and the wine Jesus? Or do we want the one that will address what really needs to be addressed? Romans 12 and 2 says this, do not be conformed to this what? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed to the ways of the world the Jewish people were conformed to the ways of the world, which is why they ran into all the oppression and the enslavement and the, uh, the, the, the conquering, being con conquered and afflicted and, and, and all the things that made them cry out to God. It was purposeful, but the whole reason and point is why they got there is because they were spiritually adulter committing adultery all the time. They were doing idol worship all the time. They were being disobedient to God all the time. They were turning their backs on God all the time when he didn't do what they wanted him to do. They were turning to the world for things. They were turning to other countries for things. They were turning to other systems for things to be God in their life instead of turning to God and putting God in his proper place. Ask yourself the question, is God the source and are you letting him be God in his fullness are you expecting him to be something that he's not? That is what behold your king is coming needs to mean to us today. And that's a fact check that we all need to check off. What are we really putting our hope in, our trust in? What is really the source of our life? Because it's always been about a, a, a issue of the heart and an issue of the spirit. And if we want to see change, and if we want to see God move, we need to always look inwardly first, not outwardly at our circumstances, not outwardly at the world. And I think that's what perplexed the children of Israel in this circumstance. Because when they initially came in, it was all praise and worship. But then as Joe mentioned a minute ago, for some reason, it turned into crucify him. We can't deal with him. He causing too much drama. He turning things in a way that don't need to be turned. I didn't expect this. I didn't expect that kind of Jesus. I don't want that kind of Jesus. Get that Jesus out of here. 
I thought about something as I was thinking about that point, and it's pretty relevant because we just came out of, when I tell you it was such a hard season for me um, last year in many different ways emotionally, but we came out of a season where there was political and racial unrest. We came out of political uh, race that's conservative versus liberal. Do that this way, do that this way. These people are taking over. These people are doing tug of wars. Well, they're right, they're wrong. We need to do this, we need to do that. Come out the pandemic, COVID pandemic. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Y'all scary, y'all fearful, y'all this. It's not that bad. Nobody's dying, everybody's dying. Right? <laughs> Guys, those were worldly things. God said, don't get caught up in worldly things. We just read that. Do not be conformed to this world. That's what the world does. The world gets caught up in the worldly affairs. Matthew just had an amazing narrow road Bible study. Didn't it tell us not, he was talking about don't love the world. Don't be in love with the world. The world is at odds. In, uh, what's it called? In, in, enmity. Enmity. That's a big word for they fight. <laughs> the world is fighting with God. It's clashing with God. They just had a shoe that came out. It's called Satan's Air Max. Don't go buy them shoes, please. <laughs> if you're like, don't. The world creates things and systems and ways of functioning that is at, it's at odds with God. God doesn't want that. God, you think God wanted the people of Israel to be enslaved and all that in the perfect world when there was no sin? That never would have happened. It wasn't his plan. But we don't need to try to address the world and our broken systems and our broken circumstances and all these things around us. We don't need to focus on that because our king came, our Messiah came, and he showed us the way. And he said, will you focus on what's going on spiritually? Will you focus on what's going on in your heart? Will you allow me to be myself, the true Jesus, the true king, without your expectations and your limits on me, and allow me to show you how to deal with the spiritual heart condition elements of your life so that you can spread that to others, and then the world can begin to fix itself because the understanding and the spiritual condition of our heart is right. It starts inside you and not inside your paycheck, not inside your job, not inside the government, not inside the president, not inside the hospital, not inside this or that. It starts with, is Jesus the real Jesus in my life? And am I letting him flip the tables over? Because if I'm not, then it's going to be a vicious cycle. I'm going to read a, 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 a very familiar scripture to you that's going to reign true. And what I'm talking about. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people, are you his people? Who are called by my name, are you called by his name? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land.
If my people are called by their names, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear their heart from heaven, forgive their sin. That's all spiritual stuff. It got nothing to do with getting a job or going to vote or doing this or doing that. That's the solution. That was the, that was the solution for the children of Israel to come out of the bondage that they were in under the Roman government. That was the solution to prevent them from being enslaved in Egypt. That was the solution for them not being held captive by the Assyrians or the Babylonians. They never turned back to God and, and accepted him for who he was. They never accepted the true uh, Elohim, the true Yahweh. They never truly let God be God and be himself. They wanted him to fit a description. What Jesus do we want? What king do we want? What box and limitations have we put on Jesus to where we blame him for things that go wrong in our life and we're not letting him be the true Jesus? That's the question we all got to ask ourselves because I got a whole bunch of crap going on in my life that I want to turn around. And guess what? It's not Jesus' fault. And it ain't your fault either. I can't blame you for my problems, my issues, my circumstances. And I can't come up in here worshiping God and praising God and doing all this, and then I leave out of here and I don't let him be God in my life. Now I'm being a hypocrite, and I'm being just like them Pharisees that I read about in that Bible that go to the temple and practice all them things, and they preaching to everybody else. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do that. And then they walk out, and they're out there acting like the world. What Jesus do we want? God, help us, please help us receive you in your fullness. However, however you decide to show up in our lives, however, based on the fact that the majority of the Jewish religious leaders, the elders, the scribes in Jerusalem, they screamed, crucify him, and then they persuaded the crowds to do the same, they did all this after seeing him heal people, perform miracles, hearing the truth come from his mouth. All the things that they've seen. Have you seen some of those things? Have you seen some of those things? If they didn't accept him for who he really is, that means they really didn't want God in the first place. They wanted God on their terms and conditions. I'm saying these things and I'm repeating it because we have to look inwardly and ask ourselves the same thing. Have you seen a miracle in your life? Have you seen a healing in your life? Have you seen God come through and do something in your life? Have you seen the miraculous? Have you seen and acknowledged that you felt the presence of God in your life and you, prof you profess and claim that God is real, he's true? Then at what point are we going to just fully accept him on his terms and not on our terms? Which Jesus do we want? They expected their coming Messiah to be something different than what was demonstrated. And what he did was he, had, he demonstrated a part of who he was at that time. See, Jesus was still the conquering God. Have you ever heard the term that he's a lion and a lamb? Sometimes he needed to be a lamb. Sometimes he needed to be a humble servant riding in on a donkey. 
in humility and in servanthood. Sometimes he had to wash the disciples' feet. Sometimes, I'll even say all the time, he showed up in a human bodysuit and he lived a homeless life after he left his parents' home. Did he have to do that? He didn't have to. He was being what he needed to be in the moment. Ties right back into our expectation. You ask God to do something and he does something else and you don't like it or we don't like it. And then we point a finger at God and God's saying, I'm just trying to be what I need to be for you in the moment. Will you let me? Or are you going to crucify me? No, I didn't pay the bill, but I'm trying to do something else for you. No, I didn't heal you and you're still hurting in that area, but I'm trying to be something else for you right now. No, I didn't correct your wife. I didn't address her. I'm trying to be something else for you right now that's going to make you a mighty man later. Will you let me be what I need to be for you at this time? I remember times when I was praying and asking God for friends. I said, God, why don't I have no friends? Why don't I don't have no people around me? This was kind of early in my, my, my faith and all that, and I'm, I'm walking alone. Some of the friends that I, can, that I had amazing uh, 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 friendships and relationships with, and they still super strong today, but for a period of time, I had to separate from that, and I felt so alone, and I felt so uh, discouraged, and I'm trying to do this all alone. I said, God, I won't have no friends. Where are my friends at? Why I'm just alone? I was looking for friends that looked like me. I was looking for friends that fit a description. Young, and they like the music I like, and they, they're, 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 their skin color looks like me, and they dress like me, and they talk like me, and they act like me, and they this and that, and I was looking for something. Tunnel vision. And God said, some of your greatest friends going to look like Joe. Some of your greatest friends are going to look like Zach, Matthew, Gino, Travis Brubaker, Jerry Kerwin, Sean Reckermeyer. Those people don't look nothing like me. They don't act nothing like me. They don't talk nothing like me. But I was trying to make God fit into what I felt I needed from him and what I felt he needed to do is to put those type of people I wanted in my life. And God said, I'm doing something different. You don't expect it. Will you let me be me? And I had a choice to make to let these people in. And when I started doing that, my life was totally enriched. But I had a choice to say, God, are you really God? And am I going to let you be God in your way and do things in a different way that I may expect? And that's the question that I'm posing to you on Palm Sunday. I think it's not just me posing the question, but I think it's the Holy Spirit posing the question. And I think that's what this whole Palm Sunday to crucifixion means is that do you really want me as your king? Or are you going to crucify me? Jesus came as an unkept, homeless man. And I will throw this fact at y'all. He looked nothing like those whitewashed, uh, blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus pictures that we've grown accustomed to seeing <laughs> in uh, Western Christianity. I strongly encourage you to research your Bible, research history. God is the God of history. 
God is in the mix of everything. And if you look in the history books, and if you look through ancient, I'm not talking about uh, 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 when places were conquered and people mixed. I'm talking about ancient locations in the world, the Africas and, and the Asia. It wasn't even called Middle East back then. Middle East was created. It was all Asia. All of it was tied together. I encourage you strongly to research. That's on you. Study to show yourself approved. Jesus looked nothing like that whitewashed picture that we've grown accustomed to seeing. He came breaking the traditions and challenging the norms of his people. He didn't come challenging the norms of the world, y'all. That's what I want you to get. He came challenging the traditions, breaking the traditions, and breaking the norms of his people in his church, in his temple, and saying, I think y'all are off track. I think you got it wrong. I think you need to fix it. I think some of these traditions that you're carrying on, though it feel good to you, you need to get that out the way. He came claiming to be the son of God, talking to, eating with, having drinks with, and forgiving the sins of the dirtiest sinners. He came taking time and expending effort to heal those people that were deemed unhealable. He came shaking up everything that his people ever knew in ways they didn't expect or necessarily want while dealing with what they probably wanted him to would deal, while not dealing with what they probably wanted him to deal with. What they probably wanted him to deal with is Pontius Pilate and his soldiers and the government and the policies and the procedures of the governing officials. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Probably want him to deal with that. But God said, I don't really care about your nationalism. I don't even really care about all the racism that's going on, even though he does care about it, right? I'm not saying, don't get, me, don't get it twisted, right? He don't like that stuff, right? But he's saying, my purpose is bigger than your nationalism. My purpose is bigger than the racism problem. My, my purpose is bigger than the patriotism and waving the flag and all that, right? And my purpose is bigger than appeasing any church leader that's set up. God's purpose is his purpose. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. But yet his purpose is simple enough that those babies back in their room back there can understand it. Why do we complicate this thing? Why won't we just let Jesus be Jesus? Which king do we want? Will we let God be I am, or will we crucify him for not fitting our selfish expectations? I read this book, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of wrapping up. I don't know how I'm doing on time. I think I'm in time. Joe, I don't know. Maybe I am. Uh, if not, I'm sorry. <laughs> What'd you say? Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Thank you, man. I got one person that like what I'm doing. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I read this book. Um, it's called, uh, I think it's called, uh, uh, am I being a fan? Am I a fan? Uh, fan or follower? 
fan or follower, right? I read this book. It was years ago. I'm not a reader. I, I hate reading, to be honest. <laughs> I got books everywhere. I don't read none of them. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. I, I don't like reading, man. I, I really don't. Um, but I read this book. It's called Fan or Follower, right? Now, in the context of the scriptures, when we just read, they said people was marching in with them, cheering, shouting, all of that, right? Dallas Cowboy fans, the game come on, we cheering, shouting, yeah, man, the Cowboys going, except for Travis, he's an Eagles fan, you know, but uh, yeah, man, this is our year, man, it's going down, Cowboys just drafted this person, that person, oh, yeah, let's go, and then by week six or seven, we like, these don't suck, what, uh, why do I even follow these, we like, you feel me, <laughs> I'm keeping it real up in here, man. But we do Jesus the same way. These people that were marching and saying Hosanna and laying the things down, they were fans. They were admiring Jesus. They were excited about the new season that's coming up, right? They're getting just close enough to him as fans. Think about this and ask yourself, is this you? The fan is someone that admires Jesus. They get just close enough to him to get all the benefits that he provides and cheer about it when they get it. Yes, God did it. But they don't want to get too close to where it would cause significant changes that need to be made or get too close to where it have neg negative implications in their life. I want to cheer and get the, the fish sandwich and get the, the water and the wine and get all the things and, and come to the worship service and praise the Lord and cheer. Yes, he did it. He did it. But I don't want to get too close to where he say, take up your cross and bear it. When he say, put that down. Stop doing that. Rethink this. Lay that down. Lay that down. Cut that relationship off. Do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. And we're like, oh, wait a minute. You want me to do that? I don't know if I really want, want that, Jesus. I don't know if I want that part of you. I just want this part of you. I got an expectation for you to be this type of king, not that type of king. You trying to flip tables over in my house? No, sir, get out of my house. That's the fan aspect. A follower says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I know this is uncomfortable for me, but if you prompt me in my spirit during worship service to shout hallelujah or sing or come to the front and kneel or do that. I'll do it for you because I follow you. Song say sing a little louder and then I feel my spirit. The spirit say sing a little louder. Am I going to sing a little louder or am I going to say I, I don't want that type of Jesus? The song say the spirit of God tell you to come up here and kneel down and, and, and pray or cry or do something. And I don't want that type of Jesus. That's not how I grew up in the worship service. That's not how I grew up. That's not my tradition. That's not what I what Jesus do we want? What Jesus do we want? Do we want him or do we or do we not do we not want him? Will we allow God to be God? And I'm finishing. Tanya, if you want to come up. Will we allow Jesus to be fully Jesus when our control is threatened? Will we allow Jesus to fully be Jesus and be the king, behold our king, when our normalcy is uprooted? Will we allow Jesus to be Jesus when our knowledge is challenged, when our the uh, theological understanding is challenged? Will we allow Jesus to be the king? 
will we allow Jesus to be Jesus when our weaknesses and our shortcomings are exposed? And will we allow Jesus to be Jesus when our impure motives are revealed? Or will we crucify him like the children of Israel did? The choice is ours. He's not going to force himself upon him, but I guarantee you, and I can die today saying it, that God has your and my best interests at hand, even when it hurts, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it doesn't make any sense, and even when you think and I think he's not fitting my expectations and the expectation of those around me, he has your good at hand, and he is trustworthy. So much so that he went on ahead and laid down on the cross anyway. When he knew what everybody was saying about him was wrong. And when he knew what I was saying about him was wrong. And my denial of him was wrong. And my sin and disrespect of him was wrong. Even though he went ahead and laid down. Will I lay down? Will I lay down and let him be king? Lord, I pray over um, the words that were spoken. Holy Spirit, I, I ask you to um, do what you do best. Point out the things that need to be pointed out in our lives and our hearts. Point out the things that we need to let go of, the things that we need to reconsider, the, the ways that we need to reconsider. How we view you, how we accept you, how we allow you to be king. Have we put you in a box? Have we put unrealistic expectations on you? Have we not addressed you fully in your fullness and in your authority as king of kings, as lord of lords, as the son of God, the son of man, our Messiah, who fulfilled over 300 prophecies to prove who you were? And I don't know how many prophecies that have been spoken in this room over people that you fulfill, but you fulfill way more than 300. Because you still fulfill them today in the lives of every believer in this room. You are true and you are king and Lord. And I don't have to and we don't have to put any other expectations on you than you being I am. Lord, would you deal with us? Would you fix us? Would you flip over the tables of our hearts? Flip over the tables of the church? Start with the leaders. Start with us and work your way down and build your kingdom in our hearts. Behold. Our king has come, humble and meek, riding low into our lives. Yet he's the king of kings, lord of lords, that will return riding on a white horse, flames burning like fire, conquering. Lord, we receive you. Deal with us, our king. Hosanna. Praise, honor, adoration. Save us. Hallelujah. Highest praise to your name. Because you are great and greatly to be praised. And we lay down our idols and we lay down our, our heart and hearts and allow you to be the king that you've always been in our lives. King Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.